Welcome to Casting Nets Podcast on this beautiful and probably warm day. High of 89, they say, and it, we just had some drizzle and rain uh, the night before, so probably... Thank the Lord. Yeah, thank the Lord. Not enough to, to, to cover what needed to be covered. Um, so if you don't know the time of date uh, that we are, we're recording this, we are um, the Friday right before the uh, wonderful festival of celebration of Father's Day. Not technically a festival. It but. is a festival for us. <laughs> not, Just, not a church festival. Not a church festival, but it is a it is a festival where where one day out of three hundred and sixty five days, um, our children look to our fathers, uh, their fathers, and say, um, "Thank you," because I forgot to say thank you for all the other times you've ignored me in my life. <laughs> it used to be that Father's Day was the number one day for collect calls in the United States when there was a, such a thing as collect calls. Very good. Yes, Dad will pay for the bill. Um, <laughs> Anyway, we just as we had an opportunity to gather and do a uh, a wonderful segment on um, Mother's Day, we do want to have a time to take a look at biblical fathers and and really comment on the wonderful gift of fatherhood that God has given to us. And so that's really where our focus is going to be today in celebration of Father's Day. Before we do that, though, um, Dave, would you like to give us our disclaimer? Certainly. Uh, Dear listener, you are listening to two pastors talking about the Bible. And uh, so we're letting you in on a conversation. We are thinking out loud, throwing stuff against the wall. Sometimes uh, we'll get uh, Bible or verse uh, incorrect because we're just thinking out loud. Uh, but we hold ourselves to the confession, but what we have to say may may or may not be the positions of the churches that we are called to serve or the church body in which we are part of. So if you have any uh, difficulty or if you don't like anything that we have to say today, uh, please reach out to us and talk to us. Uh, first of all, castingnetspod at gmail.com. More importantly, you could come and talk to us in person. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, we're big boys. We can take it. And, Speak uh, for yourself. <laughs> You are, Will. Um, and uh, and if it, it still offends you, please just tune us out, listen to something else. Live free. Uh, you are called to live free in Christ, and so we are encouraging you uh, to live, uh, live free in Christ because this is about real faith, after all, and that faith comes from the Word. So when we're talking about biblical fathers, uh, sometimes there are fathers that come to mind that you would want to talk about, and uh, some of the fathers that we're going to talk about today might be ones that you wouldn't even know about. Yeah, um, one of the I think before we jump on in and, and talk about um, the the wonderful fathers in scriptures and maybe the not so wonderful fathers in scripture, um, realize this is not an extensive list. Um, we just decided that hey, we should probably do a Father's Day thing. And uh, what Let's... fathers did you want? And I'm like, hmm. I'm going to pick a couple that are just the first ones, and, and Dave complained about it because I stole all the good ones. <laughs> well, um, no, you just stole my namesake, David, well, which you can still have, by the way. Well, see, it's the easiest one to talk about. <laughs> <clears throat> but I, I, 
I just want to hear you talk about Dave in a positive light. That Very would, good. I mean, it just but, doesn't always happen, so. It doesn't. <laughs> That's not true. That is, that is absolutely not true. We're just joshing each other. Um, but one of the things that I, I think, before we, we dive into the biblical fathers, I, I want to take a moment and just highlight the fact that we live in a society that, that really is downplaying fatherhood. In, in so many ways. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you, you watch TV and dad is portrayed as the klutz, um, the forgetful one, the dummy. Um, you look at our society in, 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 in media and they say, you know, women can, can be single parents and don't need dad. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not singling out single women who are our parents and, and don't say that they try their best. I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying we live in a society where, where the father is, is pictured as okay to be absent. And I, I, I think it needs to be said somewhere at some time that that is not God's plan for the family. Um, God's plan for the family is to have an engaged dad. Um, uh, God's plan for the family is to have a father who who stands in the stead of Christ before his family, right? And and pronounces to his family these wonderful this wonderful good news of God's promise to them. Um, and, and that's really what the intent has always been um, for the father. To, to do these things for the family and, and to be a part of that. And sin has changed that. I, I get it. I understand it. When there's no perfect father except for our father in heaven. Um, but man, there is such a, there's such a pinnacle that we could rise to and, and embrace as, as not only fathers, secular, but, but Christian fathers, that um, we need to talk about this topic because you're not going to hear it outside of, uh, hopefully Christian circles. Exactly, because uh, the biblical fathers is not just another copy of the mom. I think biblical fathers have a different role in the family. You mentioned a little bit about the 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 pastor, the the father is the spiritual head of the family that he's making sure that they're hearing God's word. But the way that the father addresses the the kids in his house is different than how the mom does it, and it's not necessarily better. It's just different, and God's design is that they would both work together and complement one another in the family. Well, absolutely. I mean, there is a there is a truth to the majority, and it's not it's a stereotype for a reason. When when um, little Susie and and little Johnny, when they were young, fell off their bike and skinned their their knees, they didn't run to dad. Um, they ran to mommy. Why? And not because dad doesn't care. It's because dad. Dad's general tendency would be to, you know, put some dirt on it and get back out there and ride the bike. Um, you know, pick yourself up and and move on with life. Whereas mom would would be, oh, I'm so sorry. Let's bandage you up. Let's do this kind of thing. Um, you know, I I, I my son broke his arm, uh, his wrist last year, and uh, um, broke it doing something I told him not to do. <clears throat> the very thing I said don't do, he went and did and broke his wrist because he wasn't ready to do it. He didn't have enough training. He was riding a skateboard, by the way. He went to the skateboard park and I said, you're not ready for the skateboard park. Anyway, come home to take him because my wife calls me and she says, you need to take your son to the hospital. So I know instantly she was mad because he did something that he wasn't supposed to do. Come home and she's she's got a ice pack around his wrist and she's you know a very loving mother even though she's extremely angry and I come walking in I'm like get in the car and so we get in the car and and, and my son's driving we're we're driving he's not driving yet but we're we're driving to the hospital and and he says Dad I'm really sorry 
I said, for what? And he says, I, I didn't listen to you. And, and I said, hey, I, and, and, no, and no anger, no malice. I just say, hey, I don't have to bear those consequences. You do. And he says, but, but he goes, you told me not to. And I said, yeah. And I said, there's two types of people in this world. Those who learn from other people's mistakes and listen. And those who have to go through it themselves and learn the hard way. And I said, which one are you? Now it's kind of the end of the conversation, but it's one of those conversations that only dads can have, <laughs> right? You know, we, you know, I love my son dearly, but it's one of those conversations that happened between a, a father and a son, happened between a father and, and their child. Whereas mom would be like, okay, let's clean this up. Let's do, I'm, I'm very upset with you. You know, you, you didn't listen to me. I'm angry. I'm like, I'm not angry that you didn't listen to me. You should have listened to me, but I don't have to bear those consequences. You do. Um, and, and now we move on from that. Um, so there's a total difference between how fathers interact with the family and, and the mother. Okay, we can talk about that for forever and ever in a coon's age. So let's jump on into um, um, some biblical fathers. Now, um, I, I maybe go from the beginning. Sure, and whatever you want to do. Well, you know, I want to talk about biblical fathers. but So maybe let's start off with, with some fathers. We, we sort of go chronologically through the scriptures. Um, so we, we split them up. Um, and we're going to work on three here each. Um, and, uh, um, Isaac and, and probably be the number one, uh, in the list that we have, uh, coming first. Um, and then from there we have what Joseph and then Jeth- uh, Jethro, Jethro would be, yeah. and then, uh, well, actually Joseph first. Oh no, no, you're doing Joseph, Joseph the father, father of, Jesus. of Jesus. So that's new Testament. So. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, there's multiple Josephs in the scriptures, and you got to get them right. Um, so we have Isaac, we have Jethro, then we would have uh, um, Eli, Eli, and then Saul, David, and then Joseph, the father of Jesus. Of Jesus. Um, and so, uh, speaking of Isaac, um, if, if you remember a little bit of our Mother's Day podcast, um, we we had an opportunity to talk about Rebecca, <clears throat> and. Um, very, very loving relationship between Isaac and his wife Rebecca, and they did. Uh, um, I, one of the one of the things I really love about that is when when he saw his wife. You know, we have that that highlight that Isaac loved her, right? And it's it's highlighted in the scriptures is is this beautiful thing. Um, well, as it goes, um, Rebecca can't have children right away. Um, in fact, it takes her quite a while, uh, twenty years, something along those lines, before she's able to have some have children. And um, Isaac prays for her and and doesn't go outside of the marriage bond even legally to be able to do certain things to to have children and and he waits on the Lord. Um, well, we have this promise that's given to Rebecca that that the younger will um, rule over the older, right? The older will serve the younger. However, that's that's phrased. Um, and then we get this part in Genesis chapter twenty five, where um, you, you kind of see the trouble beginning. And, and, and just like Rebecca, when we talked about it in Mother's, in the Mother's Day episode, um, favored Jacob, we have uh, Isaac favoring Esau. And we have him favoring Esau because Esau provided what he found to be a benefit, which was venison, wild game. He liked the taste of wild game. And so, so we have Isaac, who is in his role as father, favoring one child over the other because he favored the abilities and the, 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 um, the produce 
of one of one child over the other. Um, definitely not a good way to go if you're looking for parenting tips. Um, each of your children are different. Each of your children have different gifts, and each of them are a blessing from the Lord in in those gifts. Um, and yes, are there certain things that I like over other things? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that my child is anything less and that I like one child over the other because one child does what I like um, ha- uh, as a a job or or as a hobby as opposed to another child. Um, you know, if you're if your daughter loves dance, if your daughter loves dance and you you don't like ballet, <laughs> that doesn't mean that your daughter is less loved than the other daughter who likes baseball. Um, you know, there so there there's this there's this thing that's going on with Isaac um, that I think is is just problem causing, and we see it go on throughout the life of his kids. Um, that that his desire to favor one child over the over the uh, the other in a direct um, rebellion against God's own decree um, before the children were even born uh, is going to lead to some some major problems. What are your What are your thoughts? Anything on Isaac? Um, no, they, I think you pretty much covered it. Just the danger of favoring one child over the other. It's not a good thing uh, for fathers. Fathers. I think one of the nice things about fathers is, uh, and I guess we have to have a a, a a disclaimer. We're not being sexist when we say men do one thing and women do another thing. Uh, we're not saying one is greater than the other. We're just saying God has given each uh, gender. Uh, gifts and abilities and generally speaking uh these gifts or abilities are in one in one sex rather than the other one so there's obviously there's exceptions to the rule and obviously not every guy has the qualities that we like in a christian father although many of the things that make a, a, a father a good christian father can be um learned so to speak through the scriptures uh, the scriptures can mold you into someone that you weren't before I, and I think, you know, giving, in, in, and I agree with that, and I think the scriptures do mold you into something that you weren't before. Um, and, and so giving Isaac just a bone, go back, go further on into the tale and, and in his blessing. I know he was thinking he was blessing Esau, but even after it comes out that he wasn't blessing Esau, he, you see the character of Isaac, right? Um, Isaac says, I, 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 made the, I made this promise, I already, I'm not going to renege on that, um, and he stays true to it, um, and and he stays true to to uh, doing the best that he can. And even afterwards, you know, when Jacob is proven out to be the liar that he is, and the and the con artist that he is, uh, Isaac is still, even though it's not his favorite child, still is like, I want the best for him. He needs a wife from from believers, right? Um, which almost makes it odd because Esau never was afforded that, or. Or Esau didn't care and went against father's will. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Genesis says that it was a source of bitterness that he took on these two wives. So right. whether it's the bitterness that the wives weren't from a family, family that had some uh, some affiliation with God, or it was bitterness because he took two wives rather than one. Right, but I. It, but it comes back down that that even Isaac, um, being the good father, didn't want didn't want these things for his children, and and Esau did it anyway. And and so he does circumvent that with Jacob uh, to the best of his ability. So so there's a there's redeeming quality in in Isaac as a father, not just the one who plays favorites, but also one who who says, you know, I want the best for my children, um, in for their for their mo- for their mate and and who they are going to marry. 
And that uh, proves as a good transition to the next guy on the list, and that is Jethro. Uh, Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. So uh, there are some reasons, there are two interactions, or three interactions, I should say, in Exodus that I really appreciate. You see Jethro, the father. Uh, The first is when Moses uh, helps Jethro's daughters. His daughters are going to a well, and they're being harassed, and Moses... um, helps them out. The daughters go home to their dad and say, hey, this guy um, uh, rescued us from the other shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And Jethro, the dad, says, where is he? Why have you left him? You should bring him here for dinner. You think of, you you read that in the text in Exodus and you say, this is Jethro is saying, this is a man who you should spend more time with, ladies. Uh, this is This is good husband material. And it's, uh, Will had pointed out as we were talking before the podcast, he had said, you know, Jethro wasn't saying, hey, Moses has got a job. Uh, he's got a house. You should be really spending some time with him because he's got money and he's got a, a means to take care of you. Jethro looks and sees this is a, Moses is a man that you should be pursuing because he has qualities that a husband is needed in a husband. And so, and, and just to, just, to add to, to this, I, we we definitely need to 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 make this very very clear. The what we what is basically accepted as as the responsibility of a of a husband in today's society is completely turned up on its head. <clears throat> because in in and it's been for the longest time, and I think we're in this shift where we're trying to recenter it, and it hasn't happened yet. But we were in this in this idea that that the the quality of a good husband, uh, quality of a good father, was the one who works and brought home the bacon, right? And and we we've seen this shift in our culture where women are like, I want my husband to be more engaged with the family and be more engaged with the kids, and 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 I think what what is really being seen in this interaction with Jethro and those words of you didn't bring him home. What is your problem is the simple fact that that realize Moses is on the run. Moses has lost everything, but Moses is a strong man physically, but he's also a strong man in his idea of justice. And in this society where women were easily taken advantage of and taken advantage of often, to have a man who has nothing stand up to to really these male shepherds who would have taken advantage of the shepherdesses maybe physically definitely property wise um taken their things and then required asked nothing of them and literally just said no this is right you you are you are one who needs to be protected and i'm going to i'm going to protect you because that is just right says something a lot about it says a lot about the character of of Moses and I and I think Jethro recognizes this and we're going to see it later on in, in in his interactions with Moses but but the simple fact that a desire of a father to have a person to be one a person of character but also to desire a person of character for their daughters. their daughters um man you can work on the job thing <laughs> You you can mm-hmm. right. You can work on the job thing, but you can't change a person's character, right. you, other than through the word of God. Right? Yes, yes. And the second interaction that I like about Jethro is when Moses and the Israelites come up out of Egypt. They're camping around 
the uh, the the city of God. So we have. So just to give a, a more background, Moses marries one of Jethro's daughters. Then he leaves. The cute one. The, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So he leaves the daughter. He has two sons uh, with that daughter. And he leaves all of them, goes down to Egypt because the Lord calls him to be, uh, through the burning bush, calls him to be the leader. So he goes down to Egypt, and you've got the ten plagues. You've got Pharaoh and all of that. Then he leads God's people out of Egypt, and they're camping around uh, Mount Moriah. And then Jethro hears about this, that Moses is out of Egypt, out of danger, Right, he left his his wife and his kids uh, back in, in Median because of the danger that he was putting himself into. So then he goes and he visits. Uh, he, he's on his way to visit uh, Moses. And what I appreciate, and we'll see this also in number three, is how Jethro respects Moses as a man. And uh, so the message that he has for um, for Moses is he says. Um, I, your father-in-law Jethro, your wife, and her two sons are coming to you. So he gives that little little reminder to Moses. Oh, by the way, you have an obligation here. Uh, you have a wife and two children. They're not mine anymore. Uh, yes, she's my daughter. Uh, yes, uh, she's important to me, but she's part of your house now, and you should be taking care of her. So there's a that kind of a respect also that uh, in, indirect comment of, you you can't leave these people here. Well, well, and and I mean, you could even you could even um, and maybe this is me reading a little me reading a little bit too much into the text, but the the fact that he says and her two sons instead of your two sons um, is really giving the the kick in the the pants to Moses and saying um, they're supposed to be yours, and she's doing all the work. Um, that's not. Right, right, <laughs> but he'd be very respectful about it. You know, right, just kind of like, kind of. In, uh, uh, what would you say uh, if if I had my father in law say something like that to me? I'd be like, wait a minute, those are my those are my kids. Right, uh, and so you would, it would activate something within you to say, oh yeah, that's my responsibility. I need to take care of them. Right, and and it's a and it is really a polite way of doing that. In in him saying, and like you said, being respectful and saying. Um, he is he, Jethro is being a wonderful father-in-law in the sense of saying, "I'm going to remind you, whether you like it or not, of your first call as husband and father," um, and and that is a, a wonderful thing. That sometimes we need that. We we and, and we don't do that um, as much as we should today. Um, having our in-laws or listening to our in-laws when they've lived through life a lot longer than we have and and made mistakes. And learn from them more than we have. And sometimes, you know, to just listen when they are trying to politely tell you something um, goes a long way. And as the older I get, the more I respect those who treated me with respect in that same way. Like, oh, that's, you know, they didn't treat me like a child. They treated me like an adult, like a man, like a father. And, but yet they were reminding me of my obligation. So I would just, I really appreciate that. Um, and fathers, and I think fathers uh, can appreciate that with your grown children as well. Oh, absolutely. That leads us to number three, which uh, you can't talk about number three with what happens after Jethro gets there. Jethro is a, a, there is some connection with Jethro and the God of the Bible. He is not what we, what we would say through the organized way, through Aaron, who's the high priest, 
Jethro's kind of on the side. It's a reminder to us of the invisible church of God, uh, that the word of God works and brings faith, and, and God gathers his his flock into one flock, even though one is organized and one is not so organized. Well, and I would say, and, and just to be just to be fair, at this stage of the game, it's not necessarily organized yet i mean we're not mount sinai uh, yeah right you know, yeah. I mean, we're, we don't not, we don't have a tabernacle we don't have it yeah yeah right so i mean god's word is working god's word is is evident that the promise is there um you know you have you have the the sacrament right uh, uh, uh well i would say the precursor to the sacrament of of this outward sign of circumcision is a part of god's people um well, well, you would say, wouldn't you say the baptism of the Red Sea, as Paul writes in Corinthians? Absolutely, absolutely. That's what I thought you were going. <clears throat> well, I, I, I could go there too. Uh, but you had circumcision as a, as a part of, this is a highlight of you are set apart, God's chosen people, and that's there. Um, that's part of it. Because um, I came in through Abraham, um, so that's that's a part of God's people. In fact, Moses' Moses's wife is going to tell Moses, you haven't done this for your own kids. Uh, what's your deal? Um, different story, different okay. father. So, um, back back to Jethro. So, anyway, uh, Jethro, when he comes and visits, gives uh, Moses' wife back to him and his sons back to him. And then Jethro is uh, watching Moses do his thing as leader. And Moses is sitting down, and he serves as a judge for all the people. You can just imagine. You have millions of people, and they have problems and issues. They want to know, what does God's word say about this? What does God say about that? And they have one person to talk to, and it's Moses. And so he's sitting somewhere, and everybody's bringing all their concerns to him. And Jethro is watching all of this. And I I really appreciate that he looks at this and says, there is something wrong here. And the wrong thing is, is that Moses is trying to take on way too much. Uh, Moses should not have to be the only person that can answer uh, some of these issues that people have. So Jethro comes to Moses and Again, you see his respect for Moses. He doesn't just come in and say, Moses, what you're doing is wrong. He, he First of all, he asks him, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge with all the people standing around you from morning till evening? And then he waits for Moses' response. And then Moses says, well, because people come to me to inquire about God. Whether there's a dispute between them, they come to me, and I judge between the two sides, and I reveal the regulation of God and his laws. Again, like we say, this is really early on. Uh, the law hasn't been written down yet, uh, so they only have Moses to go on. And so then Moses, uh, then Jethro goes to Moses and says, uh, what you're doing isn't good. You will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the work is too much for you. You are not able to handle this alone. Listen to me now. I will give you advice, and may God be with you. And then he gives his advice, which is uh, parse out the work. Moses, uh, divide up the work. You don't have to be doing all of this all by yourself. Find some capable men among you. There's lots of capable men here. They can help you with these disputes. And if there's a big issue, they can come to you. And what I like about how Jethro handles it is that he gives Moses advice, and then he doesn't say, you have to do this, Moses. He gives the respect, like, Moses, you are called over these people. You are called to lead them. You make your, up your own mind. May God bless. May God be with you, however you decide it. And then later on, uh, the scriptures tells us that Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything that he had said. 
So we don't have Jethro cheating, treating Moses like a child. We have Jethro treating Moses as a man and saying, make up your own mind. Here's my advice for you. The most important thing, God be with you as you make your decisions here, because this is a big task that, that you've been called to, to do. So that's those are the three reasons why I really appreciate uh, Jethro as far as a father. You see him uh, speaking respectfully of his of children who are an adult. We have him looking out for his daughters and what's important for his daughters, that they would hear uh, and have someone in their lives who is, has a man of integrity, of spiritual integrity as well, as you were mentioning, Will. Um, and then also just the uh, giving of advice with also with the the caveat of make your own decision here on this, Moses. Well, and, and I would I would highlight the, the fact that in making your own decision, but but the end of it, your own spiritual decision that that this is this is I understand this is physical. This is advice in the physical realm. But you got to come to your own spiritual conclusion as to whether this is going to be a good thing or not. And, and that that's really kind of, you know. Moses talked with the Lord, and if the Lord didn't want it, it doesn't matter if Jethro had suggested it; he just wouldn't do it. Um, but but recognition that that um, um, I, I think Jethro recognizes the spiritual head that Moses has been given um, in in this position. Yeah, and and there's a, that's cool. Yeah, that and, is neat. And the submission to God, like you mentioned, I hadn't thought about that. Just the idea of um, God called you Moses. Did he, God didn't call me? Right. God called you Moses. So In the if, background, he's saying, "I'm glad he didn't. I wouldn't <laughs> want this guy." <laughs> I already been a shepherd for so long. I've had sheep before. This is a, this is a hard job. Um, I tried to prepare you for this in 80 years. <laughs> yeah, 40 years. 40 yeah. years. I, for 40 years, I gave you a job to, to learn how to do sheep. I didn't know you were going to get millions. I would have given you more. <laughs> uh, well, that moves us on to uh, um, another one in the line. So before we get to, to one of mine, which it, which would be Saul, um, we have a, a little bit of a, a, a stopgap here with uh, another one of yours. This is Eli. Um, so, so maybe you want to give us some, some good and bad about Eli and, and well, first of all, who is he? Sure. Uh, Eli is the, this is Samuel. So you think of the time of the judges, everyone is doing as they see fit. Uh, it is not a good time spiritually in Israel. Eli is, uh, one of the, I think he's a judge, but he's he a is, priest. He's a, definitely a priest. Yeah. Did I? Is he not a judge? I have, I don't remember it ever referring to him as a judge, although people came to him for advice. Okay, all right. So he didn't he didn't serve in that capacity. He wasn't called to be a judge by the Lord to rescue God's people from a calamity. But uh, he had two sons, and they um, their names were Hofti and Phineas, and um, they and were not, not Phineas good. and Ferb. Not Phineas and Ferb. Uh, these guys were much worse than Phineas and Ferb. They got into much worse shenanigans than those two guys. Uh, two guys did on Nickelodeon. Uh, they they uh, were accepting bribes when it came to doing sacrifices to God. They were trying to manipulate the sacrifice so that they would get more from it. Because uh, typically, what they were supposed to do was uh, boil the meat that they were given for the sacrifice, and the priest was supposed to stick a fork in it, and then whatever came up was going to be what. Uh, he was that was for the priest to to consume, and these two boys, or two men, I suppose, uh, they said, "No, we need to have the fat. Uh, so you need to actually give it to us before you put it in the boiling water," which was against the Lord's command. And Eli did nothing. He chose his sons 
over uh, the Lord. Uh, these sons were also um, uh, a source of contention, and a prophet of God came to Eli and told him, uh, because you did not discipline your son, that you chose your sons over the Lord, these these consequences are going to happen. And it was the consequence that both of his sons died on the same day, and Eli died on the same day. So that's the bad part of Eli uh, telling us of, about a, a cautionary tale about fathers choosing their own children over the Lord. Uh, it's not a good thing when we do that. We don't. We think that uh, we're loving our children when we do what they want instead of as a father saying, I know what they want, but what's the right thing to do here? Um, I really believe that's a, a, a good, that plays to our strengths as fathers because a lot of times we do things because it's the right thing to do not because we feel like doing it. Uh, it's the right thing to do to change the oil in the car. Don't feel like doing it, but you're going to do it. Uh, it's the right thing to do to discipline your child, even though it's you don't feel like doing it at the time. You just want to pacify them to whatever, but you know the right thing to do is this child isn't going to uh, turn out to be the person that you want him to be unless you say something, and you're the last line of... of of uh, defense or you're the the one that the lord's going to look to and say um what did you do here well and, and you know just yeah eli eli had made some horrible mistakes with his two natural born children but i think it it it, it needs to be said that um he was a surrogate father of sorts to samuel and i know we're not talking about samuel necessarily because because Samuel's going to have the same problem yeah. with his kids. But the interaction between Samuel and Eli seems to be one of a spiritual father to a spiritual child. And he does a good job. I, I, I think any I think people would say that 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 the interaction between Eli and Samuel is one that is was handled appropriately. So so maybe he learned um you know that doesn't nullify the the consequence of of, of the past sin. For, he's forgiven of it. I, I think we would say that Eli was forgiven of that, even though the consequences still remain. Um, but we we do see a better interaction between him and Samuel. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Uh, but yeah, because Samuel has that the, the moment of you're thinking of the moment when he was at night and he heard the voice of the Lord and he keeps going to Eli. And Eli has the humility to say, the Lord is going to speak to Samuel. He's not speaking to me. Um, I, reading into the text would say that Eli would say, I, I messed up. <laughs> and uh, the Lord is still speaking, and so he's happy about that. And then when Samuel has to say what the Lord said to him, which is bad news for Eli, Sam, uh, Eli took it on the chin and said, okay, this is uh, this is what the Lord said. So in in, in that regard, it was a good father figure for Samuel because Samuel oftentimes had to say things to people that they did not want to hear. Um, and uh, we have the, he always had in his mind that experience with Eli where Eli didn't want to hear what he had to say, but he took it anyway. Well, and, and what a great example for, for rather other fathers because, you know, sometimes you have to take it on the chin when, when your child calls you to account. Um, you know, there are there are times in in life when you make a mistake. You're human, dear dad, um, and you make a mistake. And the lessons you are trying to teach your children um, now are are used to be lessons to teach you. 
And, and, you know, whether it's something as simple as I tell you, you tell your kids, okay, don't use bad language. Don't use bad language. And all of a sudden you're, you use bad language and your kids catch you and they say, dad, and, and you, you got to take it on the chin. I was not right. You know, I, I am, I am perfectly, I am perfectly in the right realm of being, being corrected of this because it needs to be corrected. Um, and I, I, I think we got a, what a wonderful lesson, right? Spiritual lesson that, that, that the lessons we try to teach our children are also lessons that we ourselves must be held accountable to and should be accountable to. Mm-hmm. So, um, speaking of, of, of accountability, um, we have another, um, father that I got to choose Saul, um, Grand old Saul, the guy who looked every bit the king um, when the, when, when, <laughs> okay, so leading into Saul here, just to, to give you a little bit of background, um, Samuel, great judge, um, everybody loves Samuel, um, he, he really, he really was a, a man of God, his children, he, he kind of fell into the same trap that um, Eli did and had kids that were, were not God pleasing at all. And, and the people of Israel said, uh, they can, Samuel, your kids can't take over from you. They just, they just can't. We, 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 we can't have that. Yeah. They took bribes and perverted justice. Yeah. They were not good, not good kids. Um, and so they, they say, we want to be like the other nations and we want to have a king, which Samuel said, uh, they're against me. And the Lord said, nah, they're really against, against me. me. Yeah, right. They rejected you. me as King Samuel, uh, not you as judge. Yeah. Right. And so he says, I, I will pick their king and, and the one I choose, that's the one that you'll, you'll take. And, and, um, he, God gives the people what they want. They give him, he gives him Saul. He's taller than the rest of the other Israelites, very handsome, strapping figure of a, of a guy. And, um, man, you know, Saul, Saul's kingship does not start the way that you would want it to start. It, it, he does not start it on a, on a very God fearing note. Well, Saul has, um, multiple children, and and we have three that are listed in within, if I remember correctly, three that are listed within the scriptures. We have his son Jonathan, who who will play a very big role, um, connecting uh, to David. Um, he has uh, one daughter um, by the name of oh what Michael, Mike yes that's the other one that that eventually marries David, but um, another one Merab, Merab, um, who was promised to David. And then given to someone else. <laughs> um, so, so at least Saul has at least three uh, children that we know of uh, within the scriptures, and possibly even more than that. But one of the things that 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 I would like to highlight on Saul is is Saul one is is not this huge God fearing person. He he puts on a good act, but he's also seems to be a guy who uses his kids um, for political advantage. Now, you might be thinking, oh, during that time, that wasn't an uncommon thing. And you're probably right. That doesn't make it right. It really doesn't. I mean, that's not the, that's not the, the blank check you can hand to, to fathers of the past and say, well, that was the way it was done, so I guess it's, it's acceptable. No, you're still a schmuck of a dad, um, especially when you, when you look at this. And so he, he promises... Um, he promises David that David will have, have, um, one of his daughters. And then the daughter that he promises to David is not the one that David gets, um, and, and, and he gives it away. 
But what happened is the, the Lord does provide for David and, and provides um, Michael. Now, um, and, and, and one of the things that she is, she's in love with David. And, and he, just, just to give you an idea of the horrible father that Saul is, uh, in, in 1 Samuel 18, um, starting at verse 19, gives us a little lead up to this. Um, he says, verse 19, uh, the scriptures say, When the time came that Saul's daughter, Merib, was supposed to have been given to David, she was given to Adriel of Meholeh as his wife. Michal, Saul's other daughter, loved David. So that gives you a, a, a connection, right? When they told Saul about it, this situation pleased him. You're thinking, oh, that's wonderful. He's going to love the fact that his daughter actually loves the person that she was going to marry. Wrong. Verse 21, Saul said, I will give her to him so that she will be a snare for him and the hand of the Philistines will be against him. What, I mean, that's, I'm sorry. There there, there should be something there uh, where you say to yourself, I, I, I would want more for my, my daughter than, than for my daughter to become a snare uh, for a political rival. And, and that's really what he's treating David. He's treating David as a political rival at this time. Right, because David has already been crowned the king. He's uh, slayed Goliath. And there's the uh, the song going around that, you know, Saul has slain his thousands, David's his tens of thousands. And Saul gets very petty with that information and it, it's in competition with David. Right, and so he uses his daughter as this playing chip. Now, now I'm I'm going to say this before we move on to his, his treatment of his son, too. David is not a saint in this um, because it's going to end up where David's going to have to flee and, and Michal is going to, going to protect, uh, encourage him to flee and try to protect his identity. David is going to forget to come back for the woman. He's going to forget to come back for his wife, um, which is horrible, um, which is going to cause a huge amount of resentment and anger. But Saul, <laughs> here's the... Saul's going to take her and and just to spite David is going to arbitrarily uh, annul his marriage with uh, her marriage with David and give her to another guy that 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 Saul finds and 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 how horrible the woman who loved David scorned by David as he flees is then used as another political chip to hurt David and then she finally gets to a to a relationship where the guy she's with is actually a decent guy. You know, she probably, she's not in love with him, but he's a decent guy and treats her well, right? And David's going to come back and say, nope, I want my wife back just for the sole purpose of I want my wife back. And there's this hatred that's going to form there. Um, so there, this is just, she's used as a pawn and Saul is is part of this. But then Saul has his son, uh, Jonathan, and Jonathan plays another part in this whole sordid tale. Um, there's a relationship between between Jonathan and David. Uh, they're very good friends. Uh, they're, they're, you'd say they're best friends. They they think alike. There's there's um, a spirituality, uh, a core belief that they share, and and they 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 understand each other and and look out for each other. Uh, there's a very big brotherhood connection, and Saul uses his son to try to get to David again. Uh, to 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 manipulate his own child into killing his friend, uh, to his child's friend. 
um, all because of this jealousy thing. Um, you know, this is there. There is something to be said about a dad who uses his kids um, to, to for any gain or for any purpose. But you see this going on, um, and and maybe this is maybe this is something that happens in our today's society. You know, I I want my kids to have a great job so that they will fill in the blank, which comes back to me, right? Yeah, I can see this also when you have split families where the the the, the uh, kids are used as pawns between. Oh, I didn't even think of that, but that's true. Uh, using because he he's trying to he's got a rivalry with his ex wife or estranged wife, and uh, he's going to use his children. To get to her and 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 uh, and those kinds of things. So I'll that's, buy you this. Now you tell me what mommy's doing so that I I can one up that or, right, yeah, and not doing the right thing of parenting your children is for the ch- you're you're trying to mold through God's word and through your the activities that you life you want in your life um, the everyday interactions that you have with your children you want your children to be. Uh, in the Lord, training your child in the ways of the Lord so that when they are old, they won't turn away from it. Absolutely. And and despite, and I, and I will say this, despite Saul and despite what he has, Jonathan Jonathan was a, an upstanding uh, Christian man, um, and, and, and his demise is unvo- very unfortunate. Um, I would even give a lot, uh, I, I feel bad for, for Mihail. Um, she, she started it out right. I mean, she really did. Um, even even going against her own father because it wasn't right to stick to to stand with her husband. Um, she got the the really poor end of the stick, and and I don't think the reaction at the end of the story of her her time was warranted where where she should have gone the way she did. But I totally understand how she got there. Um, so I mean, I I struggle with that. Leading me now to the to the next one, which is David, right? Um, and David. Oh. David is one of those guys that you love to hate. <laughs> He's speaking about me and the King David there. No, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm not speaking about you. I mean, there would be a difference be, between the two of you and the fact that, that I mean, everyone who ever meets you just loves you because you're just right. like the big teddy bear. You big know? teddy bear, yeah. You got the big smile and it's just so welcoming and they're all like, oh, it's Dave. <laughs> um, but, you know, David, David, man, David has got so much going for him and then he just... He drops the ball so often. Um, so first of all, I'm just going to say uh, David's treatment of women leaves a lot to be desired. Um, he marries a lot of women for not the right reasons. And then the one that he actually loves and becomes the the, the highlight of his heart, he steals from someone else. Not the way to go, guys. The, the not yeah. the way to go. Um, he he has multiple children with multiple wives, and um, okay, giving David the benefit of the doubt. He and, and going through. You want to follow David's story. Pretty much, last half of First Samuel, Second Samuel follows David's story, and there's so m- too many things to account for. For for David and his interaction with his children and his wives, for for us to be able to highlight all of the different passages, but just to give you this idea, okay, I honestly I honestly believe in my heart of hearts that David, in the beginning part of his early fatherhood ability, um, was so riddled with guilt in how he interacted with other people and how he interacted with his wives that he he allowed his children to go undisciplined. 
Um, and, and here's the case in point. Um, one of his, his older son, um, fell in love with, with, uh, his stepsister and it, and, and David knew what was going on. Um, there's, there seems to be a very good indication that David understood what was going on. Right. And, um, the, the older son rapes, um, the sister, Tamar. No, not Tamar. Yep, Tamar. Yeah, Tamar. Amnon uh, is the son. Amnon. Amnon. And and so he rapes her because he 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 realizes, oh no, it's not good for me to marry my sister because that would be wrong, but raping her wouldn't be wrong. Right. His desires when right. off, off the which oftentimes happens, isn't it? We have sinful desires within us that want us things that we should not have, and if we satisfy them or if we feed that desire. Uh, it leads us down to a path that is not good. Right. And so David, knowing that that, that that desire was there, never curbed it, never stopped it, never put an end to it, never never corrected the child. But after, even after it happened, David never took action. Um, so that causes Absalom now to come onto the scene, which is another one of David's sons. And, and he's the brother of, of Tamar. And, and what happens? He, he, he cloistered, he, in, the, in his... In, well, he uses the excuse of defending his sister, right? He, that's the excuse. He goes and he kills his brother uh, because he's taking vengeance on his sister. And then he then he cloisters his sister away um, and forgets about her because that, that that was just the the excuse used to to, to come and get into power. But he uses this, uh, and and, and the, the children are fighting in amongst themselves. And David does not seem to correct them. Um, and this is, I think, one of the major downfalls that, that you have um, with David. The, the, the major downfall you have with David is, and, and, and I'm, I'm, okay, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's because he's guilt-ridden. It is entirely possible. But one of the things that he fails to do is he, he fails to be the corrective force in his children's life. He is disengaged. And and I, I I think that the, it, in the very beginning he's very much disengaged, um, and I think there's a lesson to be learned there that that you cannot call yourself a father. I mean, you can be a father biologically because you have children, but you can't call yourself a father and be disengaged with your children. You, you, it, it it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, you are the correcting force that God has placed into their life. You are that 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 is what you are called to be. You are called to be the correcting force um, in their life, just as God corrects us and prunes us and and shapes us and molds us. Um, you, as a father, are are there, and and to think of the fact that how many times up until that point in in David's life, God had corrected him and God had brought him back. God had preached the law to him and forgiveness to him, and he failed to do that within his own family. He failed to to pronounce law and gospel um, in equal measure. And you see, you see this 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 problem that he has in his his role as father. I think it changes a little bit um, when when we have the whole major sin with with Bathsheba, um, and and he ends up um, he ends up falling in love with Bathsheba. Bathsheba ends up being like his his like his main main squeeze. <laughs> well, the account with Bathsheba happens before all of this, though. Right, but what I'm saying is, is that it, this what changes is that relationship with her because 
the children he has with her seem to be treated differently. Um, there's oh, with Solomon, yeah. Well, and and with Nathan too. Um, uh, and we don't hear tons about Nathan, but I'm assuming that that also applied to Nathan. Um, he had three children with Bathsheba. One dies, the first dies, then there's Solomon, and then there's 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 Nathan that is born to him and her. Um, but that that they the definitely the communication with between him and Solomon right is different. You're talking about Nathan the prophet or Nathan the son. Nathan the son. Um, very. Uh, uh, you you find him in um, Luke, in the in the chronological. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the chronology. <laughs> so you're, he's he's not mentioned necessarily, but in the in the chronology of Jesus in Luke, um, he is mentioned. Uh, but that would be the son of Bathsheba and David. Uh the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse. Yes. Oh, okay. So, so that's the thirdborn son. Okay. Um, and so, so he, we know that, and and, and like I'm saying, there's, a, there's, there seems to be something different in in the children that he has with her that 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 he kind of maybe rectifies some of this past previous mistakes, um, and and sets, and even though Solomon will have his own issues, sort of sets him on on a little bit of a, a, a better path. Um, so there are, there, maybe he learned from it, right? Maybe he maybe he has learned a little bit. Hey, uh, David, anything you got? Um, good stuff about David and being a father. I think we just think of the the Psalms that he wrote. Uh, just think of all of the the Psalms where I I really appreciate the Psalms to be honest, because David a lot of times is very honest to the Lord, and the the preservation of those Psalms where he is. A lot of those psalms are talking about issues that men deal with, and he he writes about them. So just in the fact of his uh, fatherhood, in let's let's talk about the Lord in a positive light. Let's talk about the Lord in a real light. Let's not just talk about the emotion things or the lovey dovey. I I feel close to the Lord, but let's talk about Lord. I'm really upset with you right now because you're doing this. But then I reflect on what you've done in the past, and then I realize you're bigger than I am. Uh, I just should put myself underneath you. So th- that's where I see the positive aspect of David. Uh, the, in the narrative, it's really hard to see because he does favor, oftentimes does the same sin of Eli and the same sin of Samuel, favoring his children over the Lord or not being willing to do what God has called him to do, and uh, and that is to correct his own children uh, as they're growing up and in a respectful way like Jethro uh, as they get older. Or... Uh, shall we say I was? I'm always a little dis. I'm always disappointed in David when Absalom is is doing the insurrection against David, and David doesn't fight back. Because I'm like David, you've been anointed by the Lord. Where where does Absalom come from? Uh, he's not been anointed. Hold on to hold on to your call, David. Yeah, it's kind of when I read that, I go hold on to your call, David, and uh, and take him on. And he doesn't do that. He flees instead. Um, so, but. Again, the Bible portrays uh, the men of the Bible as sinners needing a Savior. And, and throughout the Old Testament, we see the need for uh, Jesus to be in our place. Well, and, and, I, would, and I would say that this is, this is a very good reason and a good connection to your own namesake. 
Um, and, and what I would say, as I see in your own life and how you deal with your children, Dave, is, is the simple fact that, you know what, you, you do make mistakes. And, 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 and just like when you read in the Psalms, you see a man who is repentant of those mistakes and, and lives his faith really on his sleeve, right? Um, people, people did not have a question as to who David followed and who he believed in and the trust he had and the struggles he had. And, and I think just as, a, as to your own credit with your own children— um, and I would like to say that I would hope someone would say that about me when they look back at my own parenting is that we live the same way that that, yeah, we we lift high our walk with Christ and, and, and the struggles we have with our own sinful nature and the struggles that we have with not being the perfect people we should be and yet also falling under the banner of Christ and at the foot of the cross and saying, but you know better than me, O Lord, and that you have wiped me clean from such things and, and have brought me back to this place. Um, so that I can be the example to my children of what what law does to me as as who I am by nature, and yet what forgiveness makes me into. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think um, dealing with some of that uh, and and what what God makes us into kind of leads us into our our last um, father by name um, in 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 our tale of fathers. And, and I want to let you take that guy away uh, and, and, and sort of talk about him. But, but I think it leads to what, what God can make you into. Yeah. Uh, Joseph is the other one. Joseph, the father of Jesus. I, I admire him. Uh, he is always someone who is looking out for his family, uh, doing what is best for his family, but also listening to the word of, the, of, the, of God. When the angel of the Lord does, as he has been, an angel is called to do, to be a messenger of God, to bring him God's word, uh, to take your family, well, first of all, take Mary home as your wife, when Joseph, who is going to try to do this in a very discreet way because he loves his wife, um, he uh, the angel says, take Mary home as your wife, and he does. And what is unmentioned in the Bible is just what kind of grief did Joseph get uh, for having Mary and, and all of the insinuations that people would make. Oh, she's pregnant, Joseph. Oh, you know, what were you guys doing? And... And all of that, and he was uh, strong to say, "This is this is the Lord's will, um, and and uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to name this child Jesus, and I'm going to be his dad." Just a lot of the, lot of the unspoken things where he just takes this on as a man of God, listening to God's word, and doing whatever it takes. It doesn't matter how Joseph himself feels about the issue or what he himself wants, but he's going to sacrifice himself for his family and for his wife and for his son. So when the angel comes to Joseph and says, go to Egypt because Herod wants to kill him, that very night Joseph packs everything up and goes to Egypt. Um, There's none of this Joseph saying, hey, you just sent two angels. Uh, Can't you send five of them? Just camp around the house because I got things to do. I got a job I'm working on, some carpentry work. Um, Why can't you protect your own child, God? Uh, you sent him into this world. You gave me this task. Why haven't you? you know, all of those things where I would I would resist and say, uh, God, why are you calling me to do this? Joseph doesn't do any of that, but instead takes his family south to Egypt, does what the Lord uh, asks of him. When the Lord says it's fine to go, it's fine to go back. Joseph goes back, but then when he hears about uh, Archelaus, he he's hesitant to go back. I I. What I really like about that, I'm and of course I'm reading between the lines, is that Joseph says. Yes, the Lord has given me the permission to head back, but he's also given me a head on my two shoulders and eyes to look around and uh, 
He's also given me that calling to watch over my family, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to take it seriously. Um, so I, that's where I'm reading in between the lines when Joseph is afraid to go back to Jerusalem. I'm not really or going back to Bethlehem. Um, I'm not saying that he was a skittish by any means, but he was taking very seriously his role as father to look, o- look over his, his family, and the Lord respects that and um, actually weaves it into prophecy that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Well, and and I would I would go a step a little, and and I would just and and this speaks from silence, and I'm going to admit that. In other words, that that we don't have any scripture reference that says, okay, this is exactly how it is. But the fact that he raised um, God fearing children, um, you know, he he raised he raised children who were were steadfast in the Jewish faith. Um, they they made regular trips to Jerusalem from Nazareth. That was a part of what they did. Um, you have the brothers and sisters who are still gathering around mom and helping mom after it seems as Joseph is out of the picture. Right, whether or not they're his actual brothers and sisters, whether they're family members or what, however however you want to however you want to define that. Just the fact that he Joseph was and again from silence. Joseph is in the picture. Right, you can't discount his his influence on the people around him and the people around Mary. Right, exactly. That 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 this was an important factor in their life, and so he he did lead uh, a spiritual life. Um, and and I think, and this is this maybe not even from silence, but but from the own admission of the people in Nazareth, he was respected. Yeah. Um. You know, isn't this the carpenter's son? Um. So the idea of of even and maybe at this time he had passed already, he was still respected as as a person of 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 of, of a faithful trade. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there is there is a lot that you can admire about Joseph. Um, one of the things that 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 you touched upon that I think is to all to me has always hit home is how he handles the responsibility that God places on his shoulder to be the stepfather yeah. of the son of God. Um, you know, it's hard enough being a dad to to your own kids, but to be the dad of of the perfect son of God and, and to be a, the dad of a perfect child where you say to yourself, what, what can I teach him? Right. Um, and yet we see that he does, right. He grows in wisdom and, uh, with, with, with God and man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, I mean, he does learn lessons, but I mean, you know, I just put myself into those shoes and, you know, I wonder, I wonder if Joseph ever said to, whether you, I, I personally believe that Jesus had brothers and sisters, biological brothers and sisters, um, James being one of them, Jude being another. But I've ever one, I've often thought to myself, you know, Joseph ever say, why can't you just be like Jesus? <laughs> have, have you heard the uh, Jim Gaffigan joke about uh, Jesus going, oh, you bought me socks? You know, I'm paying for your sins, right? <laughs> <laughs> But but it but it makes me <laughs> that seems like a really low gift, Dad. That's just a low gift. But no, but it, it it makes me wonder, you know, how 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 do you as a father cope with that? And and yet from silence, we don't have any correction that God gives to him and says, "Oops, you did it wrong." Other than losing him when he was twelve years old. And well, not, I blame not his mom too. Yeah, I mean, you can't just blame Joseph. Joseph, but. But and, and and we do have it in the scriptures. One thought he was with the other. 
Um, so lack of communication skills. But they didn't have premarital back then to help teach them premarital skills um, and communication. So there is there's definitely that. Um, be- before we let you go and 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 celebrate this wonderful time of recognizing fatherhood, we just want to touch briefly on on maybe a glimpse of of the pinnacle of what fatherhood should be. Uh, and to do that, we, we kind of decided that we wanted to very, very briefly um, recap for you um, the, the tale of the prodigal son, which really should be called the tale of a faithful father. I would agree. And, and so uh, Luke 15, great place to go. Um, you see the better father, right? And, and really that's our heavenly father and, and what he does for us. Um, so maybe, maybe just give us some highlight on that if you want, and we can talk about it briefly. Sure. So we have a father with two sons, and one son really hurts the father by asking for his inheritance before the father passes away uh, with the insinuation that he's going to leave, and he's gone. Uh, hurts the father very much by asking for his shared inheritance. And the reason for that is is because he's really saying, Dad, die. Yeah, right. I, I have no further use for you, Father. Uh, uh, I just want to go my own way. And so he, he's hurt. That's, start, that's the start off. with. But the Father gives him his shared inheritance. And, and can I just, I, I want to butt into the story. Just I haven't even told the story I yet. know. But it, but it, he doesn't just give it to the younger son. He, he doesn't just give the Between inheritance. Between them, yeah. Yeah, he, he gives it also to the older son. So, so he has these two kids, and, and the father says, well, I know only one asked that I die, <laughs> but I'm going to give it to both. Right. Uh, so the younger son goes off and, wander, and squanders all of it, and wanders around, squanders all of it, and uh, comes to his senses, and he realizes that his father treats his servants better than anybody else, than he'd be even being treated. And he's just saying, well, if only I could go back because he, the, the prodigal son is starving. Uh, he has he's squandered everything. He recognizes that what he had with his father was way better than he thought. Um, and so he goes back to his father while he was still far away. He goes back to his father with the intention of groveling before his father and saying, uh, I don't want to be your son anymore. I don't deserve it. I have squandered it. Uh, I just know that you are, you will at least take care of me. And that's really all I'm looking for right now because I, I don't even know where my meals are coming from. So while he's still a long way off, his father sees him and is filled with compassion. He runs to his son, hugs him, doesn't even wait for his son to confess, and he's already ready to forgive. Um, the son does confess his sin, and the father um, forgives him um, and gives him uh, possessions and celebrate because this son of my, my, mine was dead and is alive again. He is he was lost and is found. Yeah, and and so we have the this beautiful love and reaction of the father who who doesn't even let uh, the barter go on and say, you know, what are you going to do for me if I reinstate you? He just. He, he he actually does hear the confession of his son. I have sinned against you. Yeah, and that's he what goes, he said. yeah. And then he's like, Yes, you're forgiven. <laughs> right. As he's hugging his yeah. son, he hears the confession. Yeah. And 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 we see this wonderful father, right? Who who says, um to be a father is is not to, to solve every issue of of their sons, 
but is to to repair what what the sons break right in life and and to do so with grace and and to do so with mercy um and then and then to end the story you know the prodigal son, so the father repairs the relationship with the the one that ran away but then he also goes and he repairs that relationship with the older because the older older is 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 really hurt that he doesn't get all of this fanfare and and the, and the father again um, switches courses a little bit and says, wait a second, but I've given you everything and, and it's already yours. Um, you know, the, the idea of I have provided for it all on both sides. Um, and I'm going to continue to do so. You have this, this really love of, of God, uh, for us. And so dear listener, you know, really that's the pinnacle of, of fatherhood. Um, uh, the, the pinnacle of fatherhood is when I make a mistake I can come to my heavenly father and he forgives me richly in Christ, his son, uh, who he gave for me. Um, and the times when I think I'm really, really good, um, he comes and he humbles me and says, you still got issues, but I'm still here. And, and, um, he pursues me when I'm lost to the point of, of bringing me back. Right. Um, and how do I treat that? How do I interpret that to my own children? That's the, that's the thing. I, I think that's absolutely right, where we have the father's compassion. But we also see the father, uh, what does he give to the older son? He says, all that I have is yours. So we're not just talking about possessions, but all of the good stuff. We think of what are, what is our heavenly father, what does he convey to us? Things that are good, how to live your life, dear Christian. What? How are you to make the decisions that you have? How are you to... to uh, what kind of decisions should you be making? And, and the, the Bible gives us direction. You know, be self-disciplined, be gentle, be kind, be forgiving, be loving. Uh, uh, watch yourself and, and, and how you're living and have that self-discipline. Don't just fulfill every desire that you've got, but uh, insert your will over your desires and all of those things. That's what the Father gives to us through Jesus. We have a righteousness. We have faith that is active, that is a force for good in this world. So uh, our Father is not just a forgiver, but also a provider, and what a wonderful Heavenly Father we have. So, dear listeners, enjoy Father's Day and live your life freely. Real life is found in Jesus. <laughs>